0: Can can you agree with me that uh, it's good to be in the house tonight? You know, sometimes, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, by the time I get to midweek, that resolve that I got on Sunday morning has kind of had it face-to-face with some challenges in my life. Sometimes it's with my family. Most of the time it's with my work. And I come in here, and sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I feel like a tent peg that's been hammered into the ground. I've said that before. I feel like I've been hammered into the ground. Uh, But you know what? When I come in here, and I I start lifting up my voice to the Lord with you folks, I I feel the presence come. I I feel the yoke-breaking presence come. I, I feel that stuff shifting off of me. Micah touched on that tonight. You know... Sometimes, life can make us feel like we're just buried over, and if we spend a lot of time listening to the news media, we're going to have a lot of information, their opinions, what we ought to think is right. Uh, if we if we get on uh, social media and scroll through a while, we're going to see everybody else's picture-perfect life, and we're going to start comparing things, and we're going to feel like we are buried over. Uh, uh, but... Um, I have to tell you that when we come in here and you start shaking that stuff off, you're climbing out of the rubble. You're climbing out of the mess. You're climbing back up on top of it. Um, I have to tell you, when we, ca- when we are uh, tired and we press into the presence of God, God calls that faith. Uh, when we make the choice to push into our relationship with the Lord, whether it's coming to church on a Wednesday night or, or turning into the Facebook Live if you can't be here, or if it's going into your prayer closet, coming in here on a Thursday night, uh, going in and picking up your Bible when you are tired, when you have options, but you say, in the midst of all my options, I'm choosing you, Lord. Something powerful begins to happen. You know, um, you know I, I, I get this mental image in my head sometimes when I'm in here, and I'm tired, and I'm praising God anyway. I get this mental image... uh uh, down in uh down in the south when that hurricane katrina went through and and the news uh, helicopters would fly over and and there would be people standing on top of their house and they're waving t-shirts or they're waving flags and they're on top of their house and they're just waving that thing and what they're saying is hey the storm came and the winds really did blow and the water rose and, and the surge came in, and I'm surrounded by a muddy mess I can't do anything about. But what I can do is I can climb out of underneath what's holding me down. I can climb out of underneath my mess and get up on my roof and wave my flag and say, Hey, I'm still here. It couldn't take me down. Here I am. I'm still here. And when you come in here on a Wednesday night and you're saying God I had a to-do list that was three days long oh but you're better than anything on it I need you more than anything else I needed to get done I am choosing you and you are my priority you're climbing out of your rubble and you're getting up on your rooftop and waving your flag God I'm still here the wind came and the waters came in and it's a muddy mess and I can't do anything about it but I can wave my flag on the rooftop I can stand on the rubble and say here I am And you know what? You show up and he shows up. He shows up. Hebrews 11 and 6 is one of my favorite verses. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we make that hard. We make that hard like we have to have this faith that's the size of the mountain. He didn't say this that faith the size of the mountain moved a mountain. He said mustard seed. He said a little bitty faith does a whole lot. Uh, so, so, you know what? I happen to believe that when we come in here on a Wednesday night and we're tired and we came anyway, or we're tired and it's early in the morning and we open our Bible anyway, God says, Hey, angels. Look down there. Did you see it? Did you see it? Uh, the world gave that woman every reason in the world to go into home and get in her recliner tonight, but she went to church. That's faith. He, he says, hey, angels, did you see him? He's tired. He didn't feel like doing it, but did you see him pick up his Bible up this morning? A- and God says, that's faith, and God receives that. Yes, yes. He shows up because we show up. So if I slide in here sometimes, and I have scrubs on, and I look like I've been through the ringer, And my hair is every which way because I've had a mask on all day. And I look tired to you. And you say, what happened over there? Something must have happened. I want you to know, I'm just climbing out of under my rubble. I, I'm just climbing out on the roof to wave my flag a little while, a little bit. Because when I show up, he shows up. He never fails to show up when I show up. And you know who shows up? That man with the burning eyes, that man with the feet like burnished brass, that man with a voice like many waters, he shows up when little old me walks in. That's pretty good stuff. That was not my message. That was free. (laughs) Praise God. I'm always uh, grateful for the opportunity to minister in this house. Uh, It's not a light thing for me to be able to do that. That's something I prayed over and into for more years than probably I had children. And I've got grown children. But to have the opportunity to minister in this house is powerful as well. Because when I pray in here on a Thursday night in prayer, you're the faces I see. When I pray and I walk in the sanctuary and everyone's gone home but me and Jesus... And I'm walking among the seats. You're the people I'm praying for. And I'm praying for your families. And I'm praying for, uh, for your health. And I'm praying for God to make you bold. Yeah. That's what we've been praying this past week. So uh, I've got a lot of places we're going in the Word tonight. Uh, I don't mean to be everywhere, but I am a little bit. <laughs> I-, I want to give you a glimpse into my prayer closet tonight. Um, Years ago, as I was praying, many years, Holy Spirit whispered to me, if you get the first six words of your prayer right, all the rest will follow. Everything else will line up if you get the first six words right. Our Father which art in heaven. If my focus is right then everything else follows through. And I have to be honest with you, he was correcting me. When he told me that, it was correction. Because I had this idea in my head that I had to level the playing field. That I had to come to God and make it all right and tell him everything i had done wrong and how frail I was and all my shortcomings and all the mess I was and I would come into the presence of God beating myself to death when he doesn't beat me to death. Telling him how, how, how low down dirty dog I am when he says, I'm a child of God. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Lord said, change your focus. Change your focus. You know, I was praying myself free of sin and, and praying myself into forgiveness under the blood of the cross and not believing that the cross was enough. I had to beat myself a little while first before I could receive it. And, and you know, the Lord never intended that to be my reality the problem was there was always one more thing that needed grace there was always one more thing that i needed to tell him i needed his help with there was always one more thing and i ended up spending my entire prayer time fellowshipping with myself i spent my entire time in prayer telling god how bad i was and i have to tell you prayer wasn't very fun i didn't enjoy it very much i came in And I'd have a list, a to-do list for God. And I would go and tell him all these people's problems. And I was pushing rocks up a mountain. And the rocks were too heavy for me. And the mountain was too steep for me. But when Holy Spirit whispered this to me, and this became my reality, when I started coming into the house of God and I started getting my focus right, Our Father, which are in heaven, those six words. All of a sudden, I was not pushing rocks up a mountain. I was worshiping my Father, and he came into the room. And before I knew it, I'd look around, and I was on the mountaintop. I didn't have to push anything up a mountain. And as I was in that prayer closet, fellowshipping with him in intimacy and loving on him, I found something out. He was far more interested in answering the prayers than I was in praying them. He was far more interested and engaged than I was. Grabbing hold of that truth changed not my process so much as the atmosphere of my prayer time. Everything followed after when I got that right. And uh, you can trust the Lord with your processes. You can trust the Lord with your prayer time. When I started meditating on the Lord and and His greatness, and his goodness, and his character, and his mercy, and his love, and his majesty, and his beauty. Instead of trying to pray about situations I couldn't handle, I found by fixing my gaze on God first, he entered my prayer closet himself. I was already on the mountain, and I could pray from a position of faith. And from his perspective, I found a God who was waiting for me. And in that time of ministering to the Lord in that place of intimacy, and just kind of up in that high place with the Lord would just kind of get lost a little while. The phrase just kind of rolled out one day. And, and I started meditating. God, you are a speaking God. You are a speaking God. And, and that may sound very common sense and very easy and very small. But I have to tell you, when I started praying that into his ear, And he started revealing that to my heart. That changed me. That changed me. Your God is a speaking God. He's not a statue on a shelf. He's not a far-off, distant deity. He is vitally invested in our lives. He actually said, if you'll call to me, I will answer you. I will answer you. In Isaiah 64, he says, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer God is a speaking God engaged in our lives. He's God. And when he speaks, things happen. In Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he started speaking. God opens his mouth and said, Let there be light. And light exploded into the the darkness, into the universe. He, He spoke, and the waters started separating to make the firmament in the heavens. And, and the water started separating above the heavens and below the heavens. And if anybody had been around to see, that would have looked like a cataclysm happening. But instead, it was God speaking order. And I have to tell you, every time God's ever tried to put speak order into my life, there was a cataclysm. It looked like a mess happening. But what he was doing is he was bringing things back into the order. He kept speaking. He spoke until it was dry land until there were seed-bearing trees and grasses bursting out of sterile ground. He spoke until there was sun and moon and stars in the heavens to mark the times and seasons. He spoke until the sky was filled with birds and the seas with fish, cats and dogs and giraffes and lions and dinosaurs and every other creature come clawing out of the ground because God said something. God said something and something happened when he did. And I have to tell you that when God speaks into our lives, He's going to speak illumination. He's going to speak order. He's going to speak structure and form and function into place. He's going to speak future into being. He'll speak life into your dead, sterile places because that's who God is. And when He's speaking, something is going to happen. Creation responds to the voice of God. Psalms 46 said, He uttered His voice... And the earth melted. The earth melted when God speaks. God speaks and things change. They have to because he's God. And I don't want to be the only thing in creation that will stand in front of a God who speaks and not be changed by it. I don't want to stand and be static when the speaking God is speaking. Ezekiel tells me that God's voice is the sound of many waters. Uh, The sweet psalmist of Israel, David, in Psalms 29 says this, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is upon many great waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes it to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian or Mount Hermon like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord splits and flashes forth forked lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the wilderness tremble. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the hinds bring forth their young and his voice strips Bear the force while in his temple, everyone is saying glory. Can we agree with heaven tonight? Glory in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is glorious. That's who your God is, the speaking God. He speaks and he creates and he speaks and he destroys. But God doesn't speak to shake the earth. He could. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, we had really low entertainment budget. So <laughs> we would get down in front of my mom's box fan and we would talk <laughs> because we wanted to sound, we wanted to sound like a robot. And you know what we said, nonsense, didn't make, didn't make a lick of sense. We just wanted to sound like robots. And you know what, you might just find me today talking to my cat. You might see me going down the road and I am talking to that car in front of me and I may not be saying the best things. You need to pray for me on that one. And and you know, you may find me talking to a computer because it's a piece of junk if it doesn't do what I want it to do. (laughs) So you see, sometimes my words aren't very purposeful, but I'm not God. And God is God. And He speaks purposefully. He speaks with a purpose during creation. And He never speaks in vain. He's a speaking God, speaking purposefully because He has something to say. Because He wants to communicate with us. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower... And bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It will accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. God is purposeful, and when He speaks, His word is purposeful. God is eternal, and His word is eternal. Psalms one nineteen eighty nine says, "Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven." Stands as firm as the heavens he didn't say one thing yesterday and today God's going to say something else God doesn't change it says in one place that's why we're not destroyed because the because the living God changes not he's not going to change his mind his word is settled God is alive and powerful and his word is alive and powerful Hebrews 4 and 12 says the word of God is living and powerful Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In Jeremiah chapter one, God said that He is alert and active to watch over His word to perform it. You see, God is invested in His word. Now I gave you a boatload of of scripture right there, a boatload of scripture. But let me bring this together for you. You have a God that is so powerful that his voice is the very engine of creation. Yeah. You have a God who is active and alive, he sits eternally on his throne. And he was not voted in. And he will not be impeached. And no one's going to take him off his throne. His position never comes up for election. And there is no coup going to take him out of power. He is the living God, full of power. You have a God who is that powerful but cares so much about you that he knows every number of the hairs on your head. He never sleeps or slumbers, but his eyes are on you. He won't back away from you even when you're a hot mess looking for someplace to happen. I spent a lot of time being that, but you know what? He didn't back up from me. He didn't back away. He knew every frailty, every fault you had, and he still chose you to be his own. He knew what he was getting. I've heard Paul Ring say, preach this. He said he, was, he said he got him a car out of a used car dealership. And he was walking around the car, and it looked good. And he'd started home, and it broke down before he got home. And he said he was kicking that car, got a lemon, kicking that car. And, and he said the Holy Spirit whispered to him, I knew what I was getting when I chose you, and I chose you anyway. <laughs> He knows you. He knows your darkest places. He knows your mess, and he chose you anyway. Yeah. He knew what he was getting, and he loved you with such passion and intensity that his love was expressed fully on the sufferings of Jesus on a cross. That um, All that suffering as he hung there, suspended between the heavens and earth and died, all that suffering, he said, you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. That's your God. And that that's who your God is. And that's how your God feels about you. Don't you think that you and I can trust what he has to say? Don't you think that we ought to just expect this to work in our lives? We ought to expect his word to work. Hallelujah. (laughs) God's... church the gospel of jesus works amen i'm evidence if you need evidence uh uh uh, pastor michael was talking this more this uh, a little while ago and he was just all over all over my stuff you know you know what The, the lord has changed me the gospel has changed who i was You know, I was that hot mess. I really was. And, And you know what? You wouldn't have recognized me even 20 years ago. I was already in the Lord back then, but I'm not that person anymore. The gospel keeps doing its progressive work in us. The gospel works. The gospel that only works if the right person is sitting in an Oval Office is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. A gospel that only works if you have the right job your family situation is just so and you have a pretty picture going on in your life, That if it only works then, that's not the gospel of Jesus. It's not the gospel of Jesus if it promises to line your pockets and give you the American dream. That is not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is powerful and it's real because God hasn't changed his mind. God didn't change his mind about sin and righteousness. God didn't change his mind uh, uh, about Jesus being the only name under heaven whereby men might be saved. And I'm borrowing this from a preacher I like to listen to. There isn't four ways to get to heaven. There isn't three ways. There isn't two ways. There is one way to get to God, and that is the man Christ Jesus. He is the only way. The gospel of Jesus is not a self-help message because the message of the gospel is the man Jesus we used to go in the work release center when, we, when it was open and we would go in and tell them I didn't bring you a pretty word I just brought you the man I just brought the man in that's all I did he did his own work I could have walked in a, a, and sang a, a nursery rhyme but Jesus was in the word and it, in the room and it worked yes, Jesus is the message amen. you know I heard, a, I heard a woman the other day and she was trying to school somebody she was trying to school somebody this was supposed to be a Christian And she was going to school somebody. She said, you know, our God goes by many names. And there are many ways to get to him. And I thought, girl, don't you have a Bible? I can help you. I got a box of them in my attic. I can help you with this. The gospel of Jesus is Jesus. The church was born under the heavy hand of the ruthless Roman emperor. It was flowing out of the, the cross of Jesus and the broken body of the God-man. A little bit of darkness is not a credible threat to the, to the church of Jesus Christ. A little bit of darkness, that's no threat. You know what? You turn these lights down in here and it gets dark, and then you turn a flashlight on. See what you see. The darker it gets around us, the brighter the church is going to shine. Yeah. The threat of persecution's fire can't burn a church that's already being kindled in front of the consuming fire, God. The fire can't hurt you if you're already on fire. you got to get God. You've got to get God. You've got to, we've got to have the gospel. We've got to have Jesus. There are lots of voices in the world, lots of opinions floating out there, and everybody will share it with you, I promise. <laughs> if you don't believe me, just just go on Facebook everybody's got an opinion everybody's going to share it with you and if you listen long enough and you pay enough attention to it they're going to tell you the church is in trouble the church is outdated it's out of step with the world and praise God I hope we never walk in step with the world yeah. we're supposed to be different Amen. and I certainly hope we're not keeping pace with it uh, but let me tell you something I have figured out I started turning the talking heads off a little while back Because CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and Google and Facebook and Twitter and any political pundit you want to put on your screen and listen to, you put them all together and not one, all of it together will not be the sound of many rushing waters. Not all of it together is not going to be the sound of thunder out of the clouds. Not one of them is going to be able to strip bare forests and break cedars with their voices. There's only one voice that does that. Go ahead and listen to that voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, we need to stick with the word. It's old-fashioned. It works. Why would God give us a new plan? This works. We need to stick with the Word. We need to turn off those Facebook prophets and the Doomsday prophets in the media. We need to get our, our Bibles out and just eat the book. Just eat the book. Peter was writing to the church, and he said... I was on that mountain with Jesus and I saw that cloud and I heard that booming voice say this is my beloved son listen to him and, and you know I, just between me and you guys I really want to see the cloud I really want to hear the booming voice but you know what Peter said he said church you don't need to wait for that you've got a more sure word of prophecy you've got the book you've got the word of God this is the power this is the power. This has stood the test of time. It stood the hammer of the critics. Yeah. Take it, take a little while and look it up on Google. The history of the uh, of the Bible. It's amazing. You know they found they found fragments of, of scriptures and pottery in caves. And you know what it reads? Same Isaiah's in here. Yeah. Same word. It's the same word. We need to eat the book. When I was praying about what word to bring tonight, what I heard over and over in my prayer closet, what I heard over and over in here, tell my people that I want them to expect my word to work in their lives. And I want to be real with you, it was a word of correction for me. He told me if he wanted me to expect the word to work in my life. You know, I opened the book up and I found red words written in there. And I'm not sure I'm seeing them work in my life. Um, I want to be real with you. That casting out devils and raising the dead stuff, ask whatever you will in my name, I haven't seen the fullness of that. Boy, I'd like to. I want that stuff to operate in my life. I want that. Uh, Church, why don't we just go ahead and receive it? He said, ask and receive. So when you ask, why don't you just go ahead and receive it? He said, seek and you'll find. Why don't you just go ahead and seek him? Eat this book and find him. Why don't you just go ahead? and knock on the door and understand that his presence is our open door John saw a door open in heaven and a voice said come up here and I'll show you the things that must be hereafter." there's a door open in heaven and I know the name of the door of the sheep there's only one person who's called the door of the sheep and the door is already open in heaven I used to walk around in this room and pray Lord rend the heavens and come down he did the door's open. He left the door open for us. Yes, he, did. And he said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seeking you will find. Knocking it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks it will be opened. What about these red words? In John chapter 14, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also. And greater works than these will do because I go to my Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do that. The Father might be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You know what? That's the word to the church in this season. Things look bleak and things look a little dark around us. You know what? He's waiting for us to ask. He's waiting for us to use that name. And I'm talking to myself tonight, folks. I'll be real with you. God is far more willing to answer us. And to do what he's already spoken that we are to ask him. I had to examine myself when the Lord started speaking this to me. Why don't I just go ahead and expect his word to work? Why do I feel like I have to talk God into doing something? What is it in my faith that makes it so hard to just, just go ahead and ask and receive? What's wrong with that faith that's, that's not working? And I had, to, I had to stop and look. Because sometimes I allow the voice of my experience To be louder than my Bible. And sometimes I look around and what I see looks bigger than what he said. And and, uh, God wants us to expect the word to work instead. You know, I'm reminded of that day when Jesus is standing by the tomb of Lazarus. He's been there four days. And he says, your brother's going to live again, Martha. Martha said, well, I know he will, Lord. Someday. In the resurrection, in the far off by and by where it doesn't take any faith uh, on my part. Someday he'll rise again. And Jesus just plainly said, Martha, I'm the resurrection. Why don't you move that stone so I can speak? You know, uh, when Jesus started speaking, Lazarus had to get up. I'm reminded of that day when Jesus was at a wedding. And his mama come and says, hey, there's no wine left. And, and he told them, you, boys, you go get some water and pour it in those, those ceremonial washing pots over there, the wash water, the wash pans. You go fill those up with some water. And, and then they did it, and he said, now you take some out and you take it to the the, the manager of the feast. And I've all thought about that before. What did those boys think when he said that? Did they say, no, I, I fill the, the bucket up. You have to take it to the manager. I'm not doing that. I don't know where the miracle moment happened. There was it when they were pouring the water in. Was the miracle happening when they were uh, uh, pulling that out? Was the wa- was the miracle happening then? Did the miracle happen as they walked across the floor to where the manager was sitting? I kind of hope it was that one. I kind of hope it was that one because those boys participated in a miracle. But I have to say, if I'd have been those boys, I'd have been like, "Are you sure, Jesus? <laughs> Are you sure?" But instead of looking at their ordinary water, they knew they just put ordinary water in there. But Jesus, I know, I don't know the moment that the miracle happened, but I know why it happened, because Jesus was speaking and Jesus was saying something. That was the miracle power. I'm reminded of the day Jesus stood up on the hilltop and he looked at the hungry crowd. And he looked over at his disciples and said, Boys, give them something to eat. And they start looking around, and they're counting their change in their coin bag. They're check, counting check how much money they have. And they're looking around. Did anybody bring a food truck out to the, uh, to the hillside? And there's no, t- there's no Taco Bell. There's no Taco Bell over the hill. And they're looking at him like, Jesus, what do you want me to do? i got a sack lunch, Jesus. This is everything I've got. And they're looking at their little bitty sack lunch and the 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, and they're looking at it, and they're saying, Jesus, what do you want? And he says, oh, just, just bring it to me. Just bring it to me. And their little bit becomes enough. And I don't know where the miracle happened. Was it when Jesus was breaking biscuits? Was it when the, when the disciples were carrying baskets out into the crowd? Was it when the person's hand would go in and get their biscuit and fish out that more would happen? I don't know the miracle moment, but I know the miracle source. The miracle source is because Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Jesus is going to make it happen. And, and I have to tell you, church, we're like this sometimes, and I'll own it. Sometimes I'm like this. I'm like this where my experiences color what the Lord's saying. And what I know happened in the past colors what I expect to happen in the future. It becomes the filter through which I hear Jesus. And I'm reluctant to move the stones away from the graves of my life. Those things that I put and went ahead and put on the shelf and put a stone in front of it because there's no way that's going to happen. And Jesus is saying, won't you move that stone and let me speak to that dead thing? I wasn't done with it yet. God has plans and purposes that we need to not leave laying on cold slabs in our lives. If He spoke it to you, He meant it. And maybe it was a long time ago when you were a young man or a young woman that He spoke these things. And the years are passing. You say, Oh, Lord, it must be dead. It must be way better, more than four days dead. But Jesus is saying, My voice still has the power to speak into your life. Go ahead and. Roll away the stone. Go ahead and roll away your stones. Believe him. Believe what he says is going to work. I'm like that guy with his jar of water saying, Lord, what I have is so plain. It's so ordinary. How could you get any glory from it? How could you you get any glory, Jesus, from a piece of fabric that a woman makes into a blanket and puts into the hands of a sick person? How can you get glory? It's so plain. It's ordinary. And Jesus uses it. And Jesus makes miracles happen that way. Jesus brings it. How can Jesus use me walking to the sick person's room and just saying, The Lord loves you. How can he do it? That's so ordinary. It's just water. But Jesus says, If you give it to me, I'm going to turn it into wine. If you'll just give it to me. He can take care of it. What about my little testimony? You know what? My kid once came to me and said, Mommy, I hear people testifying and they got a great testimony. And all I can say is I was raised in church. I don't know anything but Jesus. And I said, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> what can my little testimony do? Might it help somebody pull out of, the, out of the mire? What can my little bit of offering money do? What can my little bit of offering do? Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaken together, will men heap into your bosom. You know what? There was a little widow woman, and all she had was two little mites, and everybody else was throwing their money into the, into the treasury while Jesus was watching, and thud, thud. And here's these two little mites. Ding, ding. And that got God's attention. That got the, the, the a gaze of heaven. Give what you've got. Say, God, it's all I've got. Go ahead and give it and see what he does. See what he does. See if he doesn't make his word work in your life. Sometimes I've been like Philip and Andrew. And the Lord asked me to put what I had in his hand. And it was so little. I had so little. What can I do? This little mommy. What could this little mommy do? The need was so great. And the resource was so small. What can I do? And my expectations were colored by my experience there. And I discounted what he said in his word. But listen what he actually said in his word. In Ephesians chapter 3 that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us the God who can do exceedingly abundantly more and let me just say that one more time in the amplified okay I'm going to say it in the amplified for everybody in the back now to him by the action of his power that's at work within us is able to carry out his purpose And do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's your God. That's your speaking God. And he's waiting for you to just believe That the word works. That the word works. All right. I'm about done here tonight. Miss Leah, are you going to play the piano? Thank you. I want to ask you to stand tonight. God is God, He can do more than you think He can do. He's just waiting for me and you to believe it works. He's just waiting for us to eat this book. I asked you to stand up tonight because I want to ask you to make a decision tonight, church. I want you to make a decision that you are going to expect this to work.